Jesus being the greatest counselor asks the greatest questions. So we're looking at some of the questions that, that he asked in Scripture. So I want to start out this morning um, with this, saying, you know, there's, there's a lot of common sayings, and I want to ask you, or I want to say part of this saying, that is, and you guys, I'm confident that you guys know the rest of it. I'm so confident that I'm going to say the first part, and you guys are going to finish. Just say, you know, whatever pops in your head. Pizza! But <laughs> unless it's pizza. Don't say pizza. Say whatever pops in your head, except if it's not appropriate for public, don't say that. But, but you, you, you got it. You got this. You, you are, y'all are smart people, so y'all can, y'all can do this. So, so here it is. Ready? This is the saying. Seeing is... Believing. See, I told you. Y'all got it. Seeing is believing. You know, that's uh, what we see is what we believe. Um, what I see is what I believe. What you see is, is what you believe. Seeing is believing. So that's, that's kind of how we operate, right? And um, has, everyone, has anybody ever walked up to you and, and told you something, even if it's someone you trust? And um, they've told you something that could be good or bad, and you're like, oh, man, I don't know. I'm, I, show me. I, I want to see for myself. You know, I know I, I've done that numerous times. Show me what you're talking about. Let me see. I got to see this. Um, we see to believe. We see to believe. We have to see things to believe it, usually. So when we, when we, when we are asked to believe in something or someone um, without first seeing, um, you know, that can cause some apprehensiveness in us. It can cause some tension. And I think we feel that tension because in order to believe in something we cannot see or we cannot see all of, that requires some trust, right? Or, or we could substitute trust and we could say it requires some faith. It requires faith. And that, that may be why some of you this morning are not real sure about the whole Jesus and the God thing because you can't see him. Um, so you're not really sure if he exists. And, and that's okay. We get that. And you're in a safe place to explore the awesome claims of Christ and figure out for yourself what you believe. Um, but it's also that seeing, believing thing and requiring faith is also why others this morning um, have a hard time handing over, allowing God to control a certain area of your life. Um, we may not say that, we may not come out and say this, but it's often something we, we think. Because we like to see to believe. We, we like the seeing as believing model. And I think it's because faith, sometimes to exercise faith, it, if we're just honest, it's uncomfortable. It can be uncomfortable for us. Um, it, it can cause us some anxiety. It can cause us uncertainty. And because of all of that, we like this seeing as believing model. But here's the problem. Here, here's the problem. God doesn't necessarily work off that model. He doesn't necessarily work off the seeing as believing model. And this morning, we're going to, to take a glimpse into how God does work. And to do so, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture out of the book of Matthew. And the book of Matthew is simply Matthew's firsthand account of what he saw, what he heard as he followed Jesus. He was one of the early followers of Jesus. So we're, we're going to look at his firsthand account. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9. And I know you. it's dark in here, so if you have a phone with a Bible app or something, you can see it. 
All the verses will be on the screen. So let me just tell you what happens right before this event that we're going to read. As the, the, the video in the beginning said, Jesus was, was ministering in this area, and, and this, this man comes to Jesus and said, Hey, my daughter has died. Will you please, please come to my house? Um, so Jesus follows the man to the house. And they'd already started um, this mourning process and kind of this funeral custom that was customary during the day. Um, for us, people would already be bringing casseroles to their house. Um, that was what was going on there. And Jesus is like, stop, no, no, y'all go away. This, this girl is not dead. And he, and he brings her back to life. Just an amazing story. And then we pick up right after that in, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. Listen to Matthew recount what he, what he saw here. And it says, After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him. So, so think about this for a minute. You have... Two blind men following behind Jesus, no God, no nothing. It would, it would almost be a little funny if it wasn't, you know, socially unacceptable to laugh at two guy, blind guys trying to make their way following I would Jesus. Really like to make a joke now, but it's but we won't. inappropriate. Um, so two blind guys are following Jesus. The joke's not inappropriate, it's the timing. Right. And I right. guess. So two blind guys following Jesus. And this is what they're shouting. The verse says, Son of David, have mercy on us. And they had not seen the Messiah, obviously. Couldn't see. But they knew it was him. And they had hope. They had hope because they knew what the Old Testament prophet said about this Jesus, about this Messiah. And this is what the prophet Isaiah wrote that they knew had been said about Jesus. He will open the eyes of the blind and he will unplug the ears of the deaf. And they were thinking, you know, this is our time. This is, this is the Messiah. He is here. And he can help us. He can make us see. And, you know, we can't see him, but we, we can hear him. And we know it's him. And they had heard the, possibly the miracles that he had done. In verse 28, he continues, he says, They went right into the house. So obviously Jesus had went into a house, and they just bust up in this house. Don't knock anything. They just roll. You ever had anybody just walk into your house? That's why you keep your door locked now, isn't it? But they just bust up in the house. Don't wait to be invited. They just come right in. They just follow Jesus right in. It says, they went right in the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them. It, it was as if Jesus was waiting on them, knowing Jesus being fully God, fully man, knowing that they were, he was following them, just waiting for them to walk to the door so he could ask them this question. Yeah, just wanting that sign. He knew what was coming, but wanted them to take that next step. And here's what he asked. And as I'm getting ready to tell you this, I'm going to ask Chuck and Lisa to make their way. We're going to visit with them for a moment. But here's what Jesus asked. So talking about the counselor asked the best questions. Here's what Jesus asked these two blind men. He said, do you believe I can make you see? Do you believe that I can make you see? You know, the, the New Testament also talks about this word called faith. And it gives us an example 
of what this is, kind of what it means to help us wrap our mind around this word faith. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, it says, faith is the confidence that we uh, that what we hope for will actually happen. And, and it's talking about these things that we hope for in Jesus, these ho- things we hope for in Christ. And then it says it gives us assurance <clears throat> about the things that we cannot see. So in other words, we're hoping for what we cannot see will actually come to life, will actually happen. And in this context, it's hoping that God is who he says that he is, that he will do what he says he will do. And we can't see that, we can't really understand that, but it's saying, do you believe, do you have confidence that God really is that? And God is, in this scenario here, is looking for a faith in these two blind men that will, that will believe before it sees. And, and that's the same for us. So as we continue this discussion today, we're talking about a faith, a confidence in God, a confidence before we see what will actually come to, ha- to come to pass, that we will believe that we'll have confidence in him before that time. And God is asking you to believe before you see. And so we have a question before us here. How do we choose to see these things that we experience in life? How do we choose this? Our nature, what we normally do is exactly what Donnie said. We normally wait until we see something, and then we will believe it. We want that empirical data. We want to see the numbers. We want to see some kind of proof, and then we will believe. But that's not faith. Faith says this, I will believe first so that I can eventually see. And that way of thinking, you will learn, will set you free. But we have a choice. So here's what Jesus said. Do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe it? Do you believe I can do this? We're going to pause there for a moment. We're going to visit with Chuck and Lisa. And so they're going to share with us part of their story. Lisa and I... uh met when we were in college uh, and, uh, at the University of Arkansas, and uh, believe it or not, we were in a uh, singing ensemble through the Baptist nice. Student Ministries at the, the time. BC, BSU, BSU at, at that the time. time. That's correct. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so uh, we, uh, we, uh, we dated for a little while and got married in 1988, so 27 years, a week and a half ago, something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, you know, when we finished up school we had everything all planned out i had a job and so it's time to start a family and uh, and so we began trying to have uh a a child and uh and so seven years later uh you know and we're still 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 waiting for god to answer that and knowing that you know we've we evaluated a lot of different options is he trying to tell us that we need to adopt do we need to just continue to to pray and wait and have faith and and it was a struggle uh at the time fortunately the university of arkansas's health insurance covered fertility treatments and so we were engaged in in that kind of uh, uh option so we looked we had several fertility treatments but every time they failed 
it made us deflated and hard to it's hard to, to keep going and know exactly what's going on and as it as eight eight, eight treatments eight, yeah, eight eight treatments that are about eight to ten thousand dollars a yeah. pop wow without insurance mm-hmm. and so uh, right before the uh the last treatment that we had uh, they the university of arkansas decided that we can't afford to cover these treatments any longer and so the last treatment that was covered by the insurance was successful. Wow. And Greg was born in December. The insurance stopped in January. And so, you know, God's providence, he knew what he was doing. Uh, but, you know, through those seven years, it's just tough to to know what's going on. Yeah. It's easy to look back. Yeah. But it's hard to look forward. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, seven years uh, is easy to think about in this time scale, but when you when you put it into your real life, seven years, that, that is a long, long, long time. Yeah, I didn't go know. to Mother's Day services. At, at your at church. church, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven, seven years is a long time to be saying, you know, God, what, what, what's mm-hmm. up? But now we look in hindsight, because hindsight's 2020. You can see, you can look back and see, oh, okay. Well, I was 30 before I was able to have Greg, and Greg has a few medical issues. In fact, so does Jacob. They both have Tourette syndrome, and Greg's had to have brain surgery. And now I look back and think, if I had had Greg when I was in my early 20s, when I was very immature, I would not have been able to handle it as well as... I was a little more mature as a yeah. 30-year-old, but, right. you know, you look back and you you can see God's plan, but when you're in the midst of it, it's very hard. You know, I didn't think about this when we were talking earlier, too, Lisa, that I <clears throat> can imagine that when a couple has gone through seven years of just... Uh, waiting and and wanting and hoping and just all of that that gives you also a different measure of gratefulness a different measure of um i'm not quite sure what word i'm wanting to use well i call my three boys my blessings yeah they're my miracles Uh and when you see it a, a couple that has not necessarily struggled to see their family uh, develop and grow, they may not have that same outlook when, you know, when, so you did. You know, when you said that this morning, you do have this extra measure and dose of, as you're going through some of the issues and and tough times that you have gone through medically, that extra dose of, you know what, we're dealing with, miracles here well even you know after the insurance cut off we thought well greg will be the only one Mm -hmm. that's okay yeah and we moved from monticello to stuttgart changing (laughs) table the whole kit and caboodle the next month i got pregnant with jacob (laughs) so you know with no help with With no no. help after four years and then two years later came jack yeah so you know God has a sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. So y'all went through, I just, I can't quite get over that seven-year time period, and I know there are some people that have been 
that are part of Stuttgart Harvest Church that have uh, some similar stories where they have waited, they weren't sure, they just didn't know. And, um, and what we're not saying is that if we wait long enough and have faith, that the end result is going to be it's not always positive, and it's not always the end result. The answer is not always what we want, but what we are saying is if we have faith in our God, in our Creator, the end result is what He wants. His plan. His plan, and we can trust His plan even when we can't see it and even when His plan is not our plan. Ultimately, and y'all are getting this uh, this look at the past now with a whole new lens because you can see and you can weigh and you can understand. Yeah, we had faith for seven years, and uh, even when we couldn't see what the result would be, and in this scenario, um, you know what you were hoping for was part of God's plan, and that's what came about. And but it didn't change the fact that you had faith through that seven years, no matter what the plan was, and. Even though we still screamed and yelled at God and say, why, and why can't we? Right. And yeah, good point, because it didn't mean that you didn't doubt God. We're not saying faith means there's no doubt. We're not saying, yeah, that's a good point, because there were some there stru- were emotional many, struggles yes. in that seven years. And like you said, you couldn't attend during that seven-year period. You, you didn't attend. At some point, you stopped attending Mother's Day mm-hmm. celebrations. That was baby dedication yeah. day. So, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Yeah. So under, under, understood that it doesn't mean it's easy and it doesn't mean the emotional pain goes away. It just means through that struggle, you're learning to say, okay, God, I, I trust you. I don't understand it. Still hurts, but I trust mm-hmm. your plan somehow, some way. So let's, let's pray for Chuck and Lisa. God, thank you so much that we can be encouraged by their story and that, God, the hurts that we experience in life, if we allow you to be part of this, that you will redeem those hurts and those pains and somehow, God, a blessing, something good will come out of that. And this morning, even just being encouraged by their story, we are so grateful that they did not give up on you. And God, we just pray that you would bless their time as with their growing family as they mature. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So Jesus asked the question. He said, do you really believe, guys, that I can do this, that I can make you see? Yeah, so Jesus asked this very critical question. And listen to these guys' response. Listen to what they say. They say, yes, Lord, they told him, we do. And Harley, God is looking for faith that lasts even when nothing changes. Even when our circumstances stay the same, God's looking for faith that is steadfast. Then in verse 29, it continues. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. And God is looking for faith that, that goes to work when when things around us don't really make sense, um, when it doesn't all add up, they had to walk in on Jesus. They had to pursue Jesus and call out to him. And sometimes that, that walking to Jesus, that pursuing Jesus' faith, that, that, that's not easy. You know, I, I was thinking just a moment ago how you, we could look at that story and say, well, why didn't Jesus go to them? 
You know, why did he make two blind man, men stumble around and find their way to him? I mean, it, he, he made them, he made them yeah. find him, pursue yeah. him. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And then he goes in the house and makes them follow yeah. him into the house, pursuing him even not more. comfortable. Right. So when we think about faith and, and it not being easy, and often what comes to mind is the story of Abraham offering up Isaac. You may know that Old Testament story. And the brother of Jesus, James, the brother of Jesus, uh, writes about that in the context of faith in the New Testament. He, he writes this little passage that I want to read to you this morning. He says, you see his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it would happen just as Scripture says, Abraham believed God in it, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. Abraham was counted or Abraham was made righteous or Abraham's relationship with God was made right not because of anything Abraham did but because of his faith. But his, his faith caused him to do something. It compelled him to action. But God said it's his faith that made him right with, him, with God. Abraham, he had the kind of faith that, that does, that does something, not just says something. And when the Bible talks about faith, when, when Paul talks about faith in the New Testament, when James talks about faith in the New Testament, it's always a faith that, that does something. Think about it this way. The, the, the Bible and Christianity, all that aside for just a second, just in your everyday life and things you do, if you believe something, if you believe something enough, it will compel you. It will cause you to take action. No matter what that is, it will cause you to act. Because faith, real faith, it causes us to, to move, to act, to do something. And like Harley and Chuck and Lisa said, having faith doesn't mean that all of our problems just suddenly go away. That we're still going to have struggle and pain and problems in everyday life. And sometimes it can be to the point where they're, they're overwhelming to us. Um, sometimes we can become so focused on our problem that we, we can't see the answer to our problem. I, I know with, with working on the house I've been doing and um, under some stress from that and stuff. And I was working the other day, and I was thinking, I have to get this done today. I, and, and I was working on this problem, and, and then I got to a point where I didn't have what I needed. I was like, oh, man, well, I'm not what I'm going to do. I need to get this done today. Um, and, and then Brooke comes along, and she's like, well, won't this work? It's like right in front of your face. So Sometimes we can become so focused on the problem, we can't see the answer Right yeah. in front of us. So a, a focus issue, I, these guys did not focus on what they couldn't do. Instead, they focused on something they could do. They could not make themselves see. So they'd given that up a long time ago. But they could, they could listen for Jesus, and they could hear the voice of Jesus. They couldn't use their eyes to, to go and find him, but they could use their voices to call out to Jesus. 
They could not run to Jesus, but they could, because there were too many barriers and they couldn't see the barriers, but they could walk and pursue Jesus as best they could. You see, their faith made them want to do something. And that something was to follow Jesus. Now, that was then. I think about us today in the United States, and it seems to me that we have this tendency to expect Jesus to do something on our behalf, maybe to prove himself or to reveal himself some way or to answer a specific prayer request before we will submit to him. We need, in that instance, to see something and then we might believe. Or we do this. Sometimes we try to bargain with God. We say, God, if you will do blank for me, then I'll do something for you. You do that for me and I'll start going to church. If you'll do this for me, then I'll, I'll do something. I'll, I'll, I'll start following you. If you'll do this, then I'll do something. We try to bargain with God. And that's seeing before believing. And then another thing happens. It seems so often we give up so quickly. Lisa and Chuck, they had seven years to go through all of that. And some of you have gone through some, some stuff for years and years and years. But listen, we have a tendency to give up so quickly on God. If, if God interrupts our lifestyle or if he interrupts our schedule or if he interrupts our weekend, we have a tendency to just give up. But not these two guys, no. These two guys, they did not focus on what they couldn't do and instead they focused on what they could do. And they could. It probably wasn't pretty, And it probably didn't look neat, but they could follow Jesus. And it's often not when we do. I mean, following Jesus in this life can be messy. Yeah. And especially starting out and you fall and you trip. And we're often really like these blind guys. Yeah. Stumbling around. But they stumbled their way to Jesus. You know, I, in thinking about this, you know, you know what happened? Verse 30, we know what happens here. As soon as they said that they had this faith, yeah, you can do that. We believe you can do this. Verse 30 tells us, then their eyes were opened and they could see. They did not see and then, wow, you made us see. We believe in you. No, they had to believe first. Have faith first, and then you can make them see. And you know what? In thinking about this story, I think about this. I think I might rather be blind and have the faith that I have a God who can heal, even if he didn't heal me, who can heal, and who does want to, regardless of what's happening with my eyes, he wants to use me somehow in this life. I think I would rather have that kind of faith than be able to see everything around me and have no faith at all. You know, not being able to believe in Jesus actually is a spiritual thing. There's something going on behind the scenes 
for someone who's struggling to believe. The Bible puts it this way. Paul describes it to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You know what he says? He says, Satan, who's the evil one, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Blinded, not their eyes. He blinds their minds. Hmm. He says they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ. That's how Paul describes it. There's something going on behind the scenes that that does not allow them to understand this, that Jesus comes to our lives offering us hope. Hope for today. Now, let's think about ourselves. I know for me, when I am struggling, do you know what begins to happen? I, there are parts of my personality that begin to shrivel and begin to die. There are parts of my, when I am in trouble emotionally, when I'm th- in my mind emotionally or when things are happening around me, I have a tendency to, to draw into myself And my personality, that personality that God has given me, that he's placed into my life, it begins to shrivel and shrink and die, and I am not the same person. Sometimes when you show up at work, your friends look at your eyes and they know something's wrong. Because something of your personality is under duress, under stress, and it's dying. Not every day. Maybe just a season of your life. But here's what I believe. I believe as parts of our lives, because of the stress and the hurt and the pain of life, begin to shrivel your personality and draw you into yourself and barricade you away from the rest of the world, I believe that Jesus looks at you. And when I am in that place, he looks at me and he says, do you believe that I am able? And we can answer to him and say, yes, Jesus, you have the power to revive and to renew the dead parts of my life. You have the power. In fact, our bottom line, that's the declaration we're making. Our bottom line today says this, Jesus has the power to revive the dead areas of our lives, so pursue him. We have the belief and the faith that Jesus can, and then that means we are compelled to do something. And we are saying, pursue him. Do you believe that he can? Do you believe that he can revive the dead areas of your personality, the dead areas of your life? Then we say yes. If you say yes, then we say, pursue him. Him. And I want you to understand this morning, the first work that God wants to do in your life, and perhaps the mightiest work that he wants to do, is to see your life connected with him eternally. And here's how that happens. It takes belief to make that happen. Do you believe that Jesus really did die on the cross for you? 
do you believe, as the Bible says, and as Jesus predicted, that three days later he would come out of the grave, walk out of the tomb alive? Not as a ghost, not as a spirit. He walked out living. Do you believe that? And if you do believe that, then it leads you to do something. And here's what it is we're saying. Do you believe that? Then here's what that means. That Jesus has purchased your life with his blood, with his death. If you believe that, you're saying this. God, you purchased me because you died on the cross. And you proved it by your power, by coming, walking out of the tomb three days later. You bought me. You purchased me. Therefore, God, you can have me. I give myself to you. I submit to you. If you are doing that today for the very first time, if you're saying yes to all of that, yes, I believe he died for me. Yes, I believe he walked out of the tomb. And yes, therefore, he purchased me. So God, you can have this life. If that is what you are saying yes to, on the back of your connection card, there's a place for you to mark for the first time you're making God the boss of your life. For the first time you're really becoming a Christ follower, just mark that box. I hope that's you today. Now, listen, for, for all of us now, the next work that he wants to do in your life and in my life is this. He wants to see you and to see me love him with all of our soul, all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength, with everything we are. He wants to see us love him with everything that we are. And secondly... He wants us then to love the people around us. And here's the thing. If our personality is dying because of the stress and the hurt and the pain that we've gone through in life, we have a hard time loving Jesus with all of us, with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. And we certainly then, if that's happening, can't love the people around us. And God wants to bring life back to the dead areas of your life. Do you believe that he can? So here's what we're asking you to do this week. Something we're asking you to begin. You can't finish it this week, but will you start this? We're asking you, will you pursue Jesus into his house? Will you follow him? Will you believe that he can revive these dead areas of your life? Will you Will you chase after him and don't stop? And here's how we're asking you to do that. Maybe this is just one way of many. Will you do this? Will you begin today reading through several books of the Bible? Here's what we're going to ask. Will you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John? Will you read through all of those? And then will you add to it the book of Acts? Will you read those five books in the New Testament? But don't just sit down and read them all at once. Will you just do this one chapter, just one chapter a day until you work your way all the way through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. It's first five books in the New Testament. Just one chapter a day. Because here's what I believe. You will never be closer to being in the house of Jesus than when you are in his word. And so will you pursue him into his house by pursuing him in the word? One chapter a day, 
and work your way all the way through those five books, no matter how long it takes. Do something to pursue Jesus into his house. Let's pray. God, your word tells us that this whole thing of faith is having the confidence, God, that you are who you say that you are, and you will do what you say you will do, even though we can't see it happening. We have the assurance, the confidence that you will. And God, I pray that you would help us have that confidence so that you can begin to revive and renew the dead areas of our lives so that we can learn step by step to love you with all of our soul, our heart, our mind, our strength, and we can love the people around us as you have commanded us to do. God, may we have the faith, the belief, the confidence that says you can revive and renew us. In the name of Jesus, our Messiah, we pray. Amen.